by later jurists as Ahlul Halli wal Aqd. Ahlul Halli wal Aqd are those people who form the Islamic governance and elect someone who is capable of governing the Ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A majlis shura is composed of people who have the traits of al-amanah and al-ilm. Al-amanah is trustworthiness and al-ilm is knowledge. But then Ahlul Halli wal Aqd is a group within the Ahlul Shura, the people of consultation, that not only have al-amanah, they have al-ilm, knowledge, but they are also al-muta' which is what they are obeyed by the majority of the people. So when they are obeyed by the majority of the people, when they select an individual from within the ummah of the Prophet wasallam as khalifa, as successor, then, then that person by a binding ijma'ah, a binding consensus is deemed as the Khalifa. Like Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, he was selected during the civil war, during times of insurrection, after the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Uthman radiallahu an. Yet there were people who did not give the oath of allegiance to Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an. Yet he is deemed as the fourth Khalifa, why? Because this group, Ahlul Halli wal Aqd, the overwhelming majority of them gave the bay'ah to him. So even when Sa'ad bin Ubadah radiallahu an initially did not give the bay'ah to Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an, this does not in any way violate or discredit the election of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an as being the first Khalifa. But when I say the Sunni position is the correct position, what I mean by that is that the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is in fact the position of the Ahlul Bayt, the prophetic household of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. From that election of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an, what the Shia failed to mention is that at certain times Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an intended to leave al Madinatul Munawwarah, firstly to fight the rebels, those who prohibited or those who failed to give the zakat, zakatul amwal, to the khalifa. Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an intended to go out and fight them with the armies. And during the khilafah of Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an, he intended to partake in the expeditions against Arum wal Faris, the, the Romans and the Persians. But Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an and Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an both of them prohibited him from doing so because they needed him in the Majlis Shura. Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an had a prominent role in the Majlis Shura. The Majlis Shura is from two commands or two mentions of a Shura in Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem, in Surah Al-Shura and Surah Ali Imran, there are two mentions of a shura that the believers, they make a shura amongst them and the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Wasallam is commanded وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Do a shura amongst them. What does a shura entail? The body of consultation entails those judgments of Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem which are qat'i al-dalalah 
And of course, Al-Quran Al-Kareem is qati of thubut. There is no shura in those matters because they are decisive. Similarly, within the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, that which is qati of dalalah, decisive in what it means, there is no shura in this. The shura is in those things which are not that a mujtahid, a person who exerts his efforts in determining the facts, needs to determine that from Al-Quran Al-Kareem and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But at the same time, the matter which is investigated is not clearly expressed in Al-Quran Al-Kareem or the Sunnah. In such a case of the ruler, the hakim, he takes a shura, consultation, and it is not limited to the body of consultation in the khilafah. Ulama must also take consultation. And if the person is not a mujtahid, then the consultation becomes binding on the person. But if he is a mujtahid, he can oppose their consultation. But Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an. He had Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an as one of the main people for consultation. This relationship between Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an and Sayyiduna Umar and Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhum ajma'in, when we investigate this closer and we analyze this, it totally debunks the narrative of al-Rawafid that claim that there was some discord between a shaykhain, a shaykhain, a reference to whom Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and Umar al-Farooq radiallahu anhuma were referred to as the two venerable ones, a shaykhain. The claim that these two shaykh, venerable people, that they had discord with Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, but the type of discord which entails that they had different beliefs is totally discredited. Of course, disputes occurred. Even between companions who were very close, they disputed in the Majlis Sushura. You read the accounts, they would dispute. One of the members of the Majlis Sushura would present a view. Another one would oppose that. These were issues of ijtihad, issues of exerting their efforts in order to reach the truth. In the time of Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an, when the likes of Abu Ubaidah, Ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu an, the conqueror of Syria, when he wrote to Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he recommended that Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an travel to Jerusalem in order to meet the patriarch because the patriarch of Jerusalem had made a condition that we will give the keys of the city but we will only give the keys of the city to your Amirul Mu'mineen. So Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an conducted a majlis sushura in which Sayyiduna Uthman radiallahu an recommended that Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an does not travel. Yet Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, when he gave his advice, he said, it is better for Amir al-Mu'mineen to travel up to Jerusalem because if you do not travel up in the northern direction towards Jerusalem and meet the patriarch and take the keys of the city, then maybe the Christians will regroup and the patriarch may call for help from the Roman Byzantine Empire based in Constantinople. So Sayyiduna Umar followed the judgment of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an. And this is the meaning of Aqdaqum Ali. That Ali radiallahu an was the best of judges from amongst the companions alayhim ridwan. This is why his leadership in Majlis al-Shura was given such importance by Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Additionally, you have many cases when the woman, she was pregnant and 
she admitted to adultery and the judgment was given that she should be stoned. But when Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he gave his decision, or you could say his judgment, to Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an saying, she should give birth to the child first, then raise the child. And he does istidlal from Al-Quran al-Kareem regarding the birth of a child and the rearing of a child being hawlain two years Meaning his istidlal, which is, is his inference from Al-Quran Al-Kareem, how he inferred the rulings, which is ijtihad. Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an said his famous maqula, his famous statement, Lawla Aliyun lahalaka Umar. If it were not for Ali, Umar would have perished. Additionally, what is not mentioned, that the daughter of Sayyidatuna Fatima alayhi salam Sayyidatuna Umm Kulthum salam, was married to whom Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an. And when Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an celebrated this, he celebrated it by saying that on the day of judgment, Yawmul Qiyamah, all nasab, all lineage will be finished, except the lineage of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. So he intended thereby having a link in terms of the lineage with the Ahlul Bayt with the family of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. But what people seldom mention is that he had two children from her. Sayyiduna Zayd radiallahu an was the son of Sayyiduna Umar and the son of Umm Kulthum radiallahu anha. He would say, Ana ibn Khalifatain. I am the son of two Khalifas. How he is the son of Sayyiduna Umar and the son of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhuma. And then what people do not mention also is that he would receive yearly 200,000 dirhams from a person who is known as Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. Muawiyah radiallahu anhu would dispatch 200,000 dirhams to this grandson of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an from Sayyidatuna Umm Kulthum radiallahu anha wa alayhi salam So the stories of the Saqifah when the oath of allegiance was given to Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an initially by Sayyiduna Umar then people from Al-Ansar Al-Aws wal-Khazraj they gave the bay'ah they were Ahlul Halli wal Aqd. The majority of them gave the oath of allegiance. And later on, Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an gave the oath of allegiance also. But this disproves the conspiracy theory of the Shia Rawafid. The conspiracy theory that Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an was designated. As what, as Al Khalifa to Bila Fasl, or as they would say, Al Imamatul Kubra. What is Al Imamatul Kubra? Al Imamatul Kubra, the very concept, forms the very foundations of 12 Shiaism and all the sub branches of Shiaism, or Rawafib. <coughs> that is, that according to them, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stipulated. Yani Nasa, he stipulated that Ali radiallahu an would be his successor Bila Fasl without a gap. And they claim, some of them would claim that this was a part of the invitation or the call of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam from previous nations. Disproven, of course, by Al Quran al Karim itself. On further investigation, there is no sound, authentic. Report to demonstrate that the previous Anbiya alayhimu salatu was salam called for al-imamah, al-imamatul kubra of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an and his progeny from Sayyiduna al-imam al-Husayn radiallahu an and also including Sayyiduna al-Hasan radiallahu an. Remember they limit the a'immatu ahlil bayt to the twelve. So starting from Sayyiduna Ali 
radiyallahu an and then from Sayyiduna al-Imam al-Hassan radiyallahu an to Sayyiduna al-Imam al-Mahdi or al-Hassan al-Askari whom they refer to as al-Mahdi they state that within these 12 imams the imama al-imamat al-kubra is stipulated starting with Sayyiduna Ali radiyallahu an that it's mansus mansus entails that it's an article of faith if you reject this article of faith you are out of the fold of Islam this is why they add the phrase aliyun waliullah so when they read kalimatu shahada we sunnis ahl sunnah wal jamaah we say la ilaha illallah sayyiduna muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam they add they add the phrase aliyun waliullah which entails al-imamatul kubra as an article of faith what implications does this have some of the implications entail that the companions ali muridwan rejected en masse or the overwhelming majority of them rejected an article of faith by selecting sayyiduna abu bakr as-siddiq radiyallahu an as khalifa through majlis ashura through Ahlul Halli Walaqt, which we know otherwise as Ijma'ah. This is why Ijma'ah consensus is a source of law specifically for Ahlul Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. If you notice the Qadiani, the Qadiani sect who are known as Mirzaiya, they refer to themselves as Ahmadiyya. You will notice they reject Ijma'ah. Some of the Neo-Zahiriya, Neo-Zahiriya, they reject Ijma'ah. Consensus as a source of law, even though Ibn Hazm himself accepted Ijma'ah, he wrote a book, Maratibul Ijma'ah, the levels of Ijma'ah. But the Neo-Zahiriya, they rejected. So the implication of that is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stipulated Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an as a successor, as al-imam. And then the rejection of that article of faith entails that the overwhelming companions Ali Muridwan they left the fold of Islam of course what they project in history is that a group of people formed the Shia of Ali radiallahu an so they say Sayyiduna Salman al-Farsi Sayyiduna Ammar bin Yasir Sayyiduna al-Miqdad and a few companions they comprised of the early followers of Sayyiduna Ali radiyallahu an. There are a few internal contradictions within this claim. One of the internal contradictions that arises from this is that why was Ammar bin Yasir radiyallahu an the governor under Sayyiduna Umar radiyallahu anhu of Al-Kufa? Sayyiduna Ammar bin Yasir, this is a historical fact, a great companion of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was killed and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said تَقْتُلُكَ أَلْفِئَةُ الْبَاغِيَةُ the rebellious group will kill you so when Amir Mu'awi radiallahu an and his group they rebelled against Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an he was killed of course الْفِئَةُ الْبَاغِيَةُ entails الْحُكْمُ الْفِقْهِ a legal judgment regarding that group in that particular time but Ammar bin Yasir radiallahu an was governor under Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an of Al-Kufa. Similarly, Sayyiduna Salman al-Farsi radiallahu an was governor under Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an. Then we observe the relationship of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an again. If the claim that Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an burnt down the house of Sayyidatuna Fatima السلام, if this claim, this conspiratorial claim were true it has many ramifications regarding the personality of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an this claim disparages the personality of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an it undermines the personality of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu ta'ala an that if you say Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha, her house was burnt down, 
The dough was broken, meaning they dramatized these events every Muharram in the Majalis. Like some of our speakers, public speakers also, they will quote mawdu'at, forged hadith, talk with emotion, incite the emotions of the crowds, but not looking at the subject entirely from all facets as well as objectively. That if Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, his wife was martyred by these companions and his child was martyred, na'udhu billah min thalik, a conspiracy theory akin to the claims of David Icke that the moon is an alien construct that beams down images and a reality akin to such conspiratorial theories because the ramifications do not fit in. How do they not fit in? That then this same Ali radiallahu an is marrying off his daughter Umm Kalthum radiallahu anha, which then they deny because they have to rewrite history. They cannot accept this claim or they deny the other daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They claim Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam only had one daughter. Why? Because the historical fact is two daughters were married to a companion by the name of Sayyiduna Uthman radiallahu an. This is why he is known as Dhud Nurain, the possessor of two lights. He married one daughter, she passed away. He married the other daughter. Later she passed away also and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, if I had other daughters, I would marry them to Uthman. contradictions within this claim that if this story were true, remember the citation of Al-Tabari because there are many claims within the Shia public that are made for instance simple claims like they say Sunnis, they say radiallahu an, which means may Allah be pleased with them, therefore this entails they do not believe Allah is pleased with Ahlul Bayt for certainty. Of course, this is false because Radiallahu Anhu means Allah is well pleased with them. Or, for instance, claiming that you have a Sihah of Pitta, the six authentic books, therefore, this means whatever is found in those books is authentic and you must accept. When in fact, the title of Sihah of Sitta the six authentic books is the title of later ulama, and what they mean by it is that aside from al-Bukhari and al-Muslim, the overwhelming majority of hadith in al-Qutub al-Arba'a, the four sunan of al-Imam Abu Dawud, Suleiman bin Ash'af, al-Imam al-Tirmidhi, Abu Isa Muhammad bin Isa bin Sawra al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and Al-Nathai of Abu Abdurrahman Ahmed bin Shu'ib Al-Nathai, the overwhelming majority of hadith in there are authentic. There are a few weak hadith in Al-Tirmidhi, in Abu Dawood, and in Sunan Ibn Majah, there are many weak hadith, well over 30. So the meaning of As-Sihah Sittatu is what? That the overwhelming majority of the hadith are authentic. Similarly, they claim that when we peruse through the books of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we do not find many narrations from the Ahlul Bayt or the Ahlul Ahlul Bayt. This is false because, for instance, I do weekly readings of Al Qutb Sitta, just read through Al Jami' of Al Imam Al Tirmidhi, Rahimahullah. You have more narrations from Sayyiduna Ali, Radiallahu Anhu than the other three Khulafa. Just in Al-Jami'ah of Imam Tirmidhi. So the claim that the Sunni Hadith collections were undermined by Bani Umayyah. What is Bani Umayyah? Bani Umayyah is the dynasty that ruled after Muawiyah from his son Yazid up to the Banu Abbas overthrowing the Bani Umayyah in around 131 Hijri. They say the Sunni Hadith collections 
were undermined and therefore were tampered and the Ahadith, the narration from the Ahlul Bayt were removed when this is false because from the four first Khulafa which companion has the most Hadith within the Sunni collection? It is not Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu it is Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu and Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu anhu Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu has more hadith than many of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you make the top 10 of companions who narrated the most hadith within the Sunni collection, Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu is within the top 10. And this is the meaning of the report of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu that he had something known as As-Sahifatu Sadiqa which is the truthful scroll. He would tie the truthful scroll to his sword. And when people ask him, what is in this scroll? Sometimes they ask, have you, Ahlul Bayt, been given an additional knowledge which other people do have not been given? He said, no. What he meant by no is that we have the same Quran and the Sunnah. But then he said, we have been given a unique understanding Meaning, the meaning of the hadith, Ana Madinatul Ilmi wa Aliyun Babuha, which is also in a Tirmidhi, and the city of knowledge and Ali is it so? I would say if the Banu Umayyah attempted to compromise the hadith, they did not do a good job. Because so many of the hadith in praising Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anha found in those books, the work of hadith. So he said, we have, you find in this collection, and he mentions in the version in the Sahih of Imam Bukhari, he mentions some hadith of ahkam, legal rulings. Someone may say, where is this Sahifatu Sadiqa today? I would say Sahifatu Sadiqa is within the Sunni collections. That if someone compiled the Musnad of Ali radiallahu anhu, they went through all the hadith collections and they compiled one word from all the narrations of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu that is a sahifatu sadiqa. Meaning the preservation of the, the narrations of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu is found in the Sunni works. But the claim that you do not mention the other Imams within the Qutub al-Sita is also so you do find narrations from the likes of Sayyiduna Imam al-Hassan, Sayyiduna al-Hassan al-Muthanna, his son, his grandson, Abdullah al-Mahad, radiallahu anhu, the ancestor of Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilan, radiallahu anhu, and at the same time, if we observe, you do not find too many narrations from Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. From Al-Qutub Sita, there is only one narration from Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, narrated by Al-Nathai, but not in As-Sunan Al-Mujshaba, not in As-Sunan Al-Subra, not Al-Qutub Sita, not the six books. In another word, As-Sunan Al-Kubra. And elsewhere, he has critical remarks to say regarding Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. Of course, the response to that is he deemed him authentic because he includes him in Al-Kubra and Al-Imam Al-Dahri in the beginning of Mizan al mentions that there are some ulama who are beyond that criticism like the four Imams. But the point being that the four Sunni Imams of later fiqh Two of whom were students of Al-Imam Ja'ar al-Sadiq radiallahu anhu meaning Al-Imam Malik was a student of Al-Imam Ja'ar al-Sadiq Al-Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah was a student of Al-Imam Ja'ar al-Sadiq Yet in Al-Qutub al-Sita you do not find any narration from these four Imams except references to Al-Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal in Al-Jami' of Al-Imam Tirmidhi and you may find odd few hadith in Al-Qutub al-Sita, but the overwhelming words of Al-Qutub al-Sita do not contain hadith from the four Imams. 
You also find that Imam Ja'far Sadiq who was his grandfather from his mother's side, we find that the grandfather of Imam Ja'far Sadiq from his mother's side was Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq a very strange claim to make that the Ahdul Bayt, the five and Kerta Shaykhain, the two venerable Shaykhs, the two esteemed Shaykhs, very strange claim. Could you imagine that Imam Ja'far Sadiq, Radiallahu his own maternal grandfather? The answer is no. Which person would curse their own maternal grandfather? And the lineage, according to the Shia, the lineage of the Aimatu Ahlin Bayt must be pure, and we agree with this that the lineage of the Ahlul Bayt is pure. So, the lineage of the Ahlul Bayt is pure. The lives of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq are found in the lineage of Imam Ja'far Sadiq. That would mean that the blood of Abu Bakr Siddiq flows in the blood of the remaining Imams up to Imam al Mahdi. So how can you curse the two shaykhain who are buried next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam for over 1400 years? For over 1400 years these two shaykhain are buried next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the entire ummah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam goes to the grave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and sends their salam, salawat prayers and salam, salutation, not only upon Rasulullah but also upon the shaykhin. Then there are other contradictions. Like Sayyidatuna Fatima when she gives her will that no one should watch me except him, the wife of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so going back to Majlis Shura, they went back to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and they said Sayyidatuna Fatima she requests that in Arathenia the people they had when their bodies were picked up they were picked up in such a way in boxes by which the form and the contour of the body was unseen. Now, because Sayyidatuna Fatima is the role model of all women to the end of time, she here demonstrated how the hijab should be. When people ask today, how should the hijab be carried out? They never mention Sayyidatuna Fatima as the role model for all women. And then they went to Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq and they mentioned this. And Sayyiduna Umar Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq permitted this to be done. But the, the, the watching and the shrouding of Sayyiduna Fatima was carried out by Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq so people mention, they mention Fadr. They say, the garden of Fadr, when Sayyidatuna Fatima, she went to seek out the Fadr, and she was informed regarding the Anbiya Alayhi Salam not leaving any inheritance. Sayyidatuna Abu Siddiq, there was no Ishihad. On either side, why would they know she had? Because the nuts had not reached Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha. Once the nuts reached her, she accepted the decision. Now, for them to say she did not, it contradicts again the internal flows. What are the internal flows? Firstly, we have the report that the wisdom that says, Wahadimat Fatima. Fatima became angry radiallahu anha and she did not talk to Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anha until he passed away. This of course we know and Imam Zuhri is explaining the hadith. There are some people today 
weaken an Imam Zuhri as a scholar of Hadith, this particular knowledge of Hadith. An Imam Zuhri, rahimahullah, was a pillar of the Hadith. He was commissioned by Umar bin Abdul Aziz, radiallahu anhu, to compile the Hadith. He was born in the 50, year 50 after Hijri and passed away in the year 124. But this claim that she did not talk to him until she passed away is the Idraj of Al-Zuhri, where he attempted to explain the hadith, but it's contradicted by an authentic report like in the Sunan of Imam Bayhaqi. Rahimallah ta'ala, a report which Al-Hafid Ibn Hajar al-Sagani Rahimallah ta'ala accepts, which was that Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu entered the chamber of Fatima radiallahu anha in the company of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu with the permission of Sayyidina Ali and the permission of Sayyidatuna Fatima and he conversed with Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha and then additional contradictions which are formed by this is that when Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu is elected as Khalifa, now Fadal was what? A plot of land which Rasulullah conquered from the Jews, from the Yahud, and allocated the land the land al-khumus one-fifth of the the produce of the land the cultivation of the land would enter the baytul mal or be distributed amongst his family the ahlul bayt were allocated portions from khaybar and fadak sayyiduna abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu an gave the judgment that the same system or the same Distribution would continue after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This continued under Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu And when Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu when he continued giving from Fadak a portion to the Ahlul Bayt and the governance of Fadak gave a judgment regarding the governance of Fadak, this was approved by Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu He was a part of the Majlis Shura. And then when Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu he becomes Khalifa, and the oath of allegiance is given to him, he continues the way the Shaykhain continued. When Sayyiduna Al-Hasan radiallahu becomes the Khalifa for six months, he continues the way the two shaykhain continued. When Sayyiduna Al-Hasan radiallahu anhu makes the shurut conditions with Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he does not include fadr, that fadr should be given to the Ahlul Bayt. That's not included. When Muawiyah governs for 20 years, he governs according to the way the shaykhain govern. In that regard, and then, Later, the Bani Umayyah, they tamper with Fadak and its distribution. Later, the Bani Umayyah tamper with this. And then what occurs? Umar bin Abdul Aziz radiallahu an in the year 99 after Hijri, he then returns the Fadak back to the way it was governed under the Shaykhain and Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu majma'i. These are facts. Objectively, we observe these facts. There is no emotion in this regard. For someone to say, uh, Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha, she did ijtihad, initially to say she did khata, and then to qualify that by saying, I meant ijtihadi khata, and then not retract this, this is wrong. Why I say to you this is wrong? If I today say to you, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa did a mistake here. There is an uproar. If I say Al-Imam Ahmad Ridha Khan made a mistake, there would be an uproar. And then tomorrow when I clarify, I said I meant ijtihadi khata. Now this is acceptable in that regard. Because they are susceptible to khata in ijtihad. But there would be what people would not find my comments palatable. 
they would deem them as being unappetizing. You should not have stated this regarding Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, in the first place. And then to later qualify it as ijtihad, khata in ijtihad, a simple retraction would do. That when you talk regarding the daughter of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa there are guidelines with any companion, alayhimuridwan. But at the same time, it does not entail takfir of the individual. It does not entail labeling him as a kafir waliyad billah. It does not entail labeling the individual with insults. I mean, the counter reaction is not justified. There is no balance in that discourse and in that region. They have no balance in their discourse. And we should not permit the style of discourse that occurs there in our homeland. The style of discourse is not justified. But when you remember one thing, Al-Imam Abdul Wahab al-Sha'arani rahimahullah ta'ala he states and in, in Al-Mizan Sha'araniya, Al-Mizan Al-Kubra, that when we say Al-Aimmatu Al-Arba'ah, they committed khata in the ijtihad, it entails the Sharia was revealed with two judgments. One is Azima, one is Rukhsa. When they choose the Rukhsa, it's referred to as khata. When they choose the Azima, it's referred to as As-Sawab. And Ibn Hajar al-Haytami al-Makki rahimahullah ta'ala states sim the same regard in his book Al-Khayrat al-Hisan regarding the Al-Aimmat al-Mujtahidun. Then our Sunni position with regard to Sayyiduna Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an is in fact the position of Aimmat al-Ahl al-Bayt regarding his superiority. How Aimmatu Ahlil Bayt, when you observe their statements, like Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, he's very clear with regard to the superiority of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu The same people who called for discussion on the superiority of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu without courtesy, without manners, when addressing the opponent, are the same people who now address the same, the opposite side with no manners. When the discussion itself can be resolved very easily. How? Firstly, when we say ijma', ijma' is based upon either nas stipulation from Al-Quran al-Kareem or the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam or an ijma' uh, or a qiyas, qiyas sahih, an analogy on the Quran and sunnah. So ijma' is either based on Al-Quran al-Kareem or the Sunnah of the Prophet which we refer to as Mustanadul Ijma' what the ijma' is based upon. And the third one is Qiyas Sahih, valid Qiyas. If the Nas in question is not Qati'u Dalal and Qati'u Thubut from the Quran and Sunnah, then this ijma is still binding, but it's lesser in its uh, probativeness, in its legal legality. It's less. It's, it's still ijma though. There is another type of ijma that can be based on urf custom, like Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an when he conquered lands in Iraq and the lands of Iraq. They were green and luscious. They referred to Sawad al-Iraq. The companions gave a judgment that these lands would be taxed, which became known as Kharaj. This was Ijma' al-Sahaba. This is a type of Ijma'. But there are certain types of Ijma' which are based upon a decision, but the decision is not based upon Quran, Sunnah, and Qiyas. That Ijma' can be violated. How later on people can take a counter position. But the ijma' which is binding is the ijma' which is based upon Quran, Sunnah, and Qiyas, Sahih. And there is ijma' of whom? Ijma' of al-a'immatul mujtahidun, 
which are only a few in every age. In a few in every age, there are not many of them. Let's say 20 of them. They agree upon a, a mas'ala, and then that time finishes, that ijma' becomes binding. When we say there is ijma' on the superiority of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, it entails the following, that it's a specific type of superiority, which in mutakallimin terms, they refer to as fadila mutlaqa. They refer to, which means kathratu thawab, abundant reward. He attained so much reward that no one is equal to him in this regard. Closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that regard, there is binding ijma'. What was the mustanad? The mustanad was dalalatul Qur'an. But again, not dalala qat'iyah, which entails disbelief. Similarly, the ahadith. But not ahadith to the point, the denial of which entails disbelief. This is why... This type of ijma' was referred, the denial of this ijma' was referred to by Imam Yusuf al-Nabahani rahimahullah ta'ala as the denial as bid'ah khafifah, lighter bid'ah. But it's still ijma' because Imam al-Shafi'i, Muhammad bin Idris al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala, he stipulates it. It's mansus from him. He, st he stipulates that they agreed upon this. When did the ijma' occur? It occurred in Saqifah to Bani Sa'idah and in the Caliphate of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu It was implied and is mansus, stipulated. But more significantly, it was stated by A'imma to Ahlul Bayt. The Imams of the Ahlul Bayt, they stated it openly to the point that 200 people narrate from Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an on the member of Al-Kufa that he stated with regard to the superiority of a shaykhin over 200 people. Now this places the Shia theology in difficulty, in quagmire. Why? Because it entails that Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an and the Aima to Ahlul Bayt, they had this creed, so therefore they formulated a theory known as a taqiyya, which is a deception that the Aima to Ahlul Bayt were deceiving the people by not telling the entire truth. Now there is a few more things which I would want to mention before finishing. One is with regard to Muawiyah radiallahu it's sufficient to say it's sufficient to say that Muawiyah radiallahu he hosted Al-Imam Al-Hassan wal Hussein radiallahu anhuma every year for 10 years in his home where is that home today if you go to Damascus An-Nuriyah where Nuruddin Shaheed Nuruddin Zangi rahimallah is buried Historians state that was the house of Muawiyah If you do research, you will find that was the actual location. Both Al-Imam Al-Hassan wal Hussein from Sunni and Shia sources, it is stated very clear, they would go to his home once a year, eat with him, and he would give, present to them gifts, uh, hundreds and thousands of silver coins, which he said, I never gave this amount to anyone before you and after you. I will never give it to anyone after you. This was the sila, the connection between them. Now, on a final point, on a final point, Amir Muawiyah radiallahu an, if someone said he done khata ijtihadi in attempting to appoint Yazid, there would be an uproar. Why would those people make an uproar when they ascribe khata ijtihadi to Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha? He attempted in the year 56, uh, 56 after Hijri to finalize the bay'ah to Yazid, but it did not happen. The, the bay'ah did not happen. Now, if someone says, Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he made khata in ijtihad, this would not be disparaging Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. But people will take that as being disparaging. 
But at the same time, they ascribe to Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha khata in ijtihad. Additionally, and this will summarize the entire thing, the ghaloob, the exaggeration we find in the Indian subcontinent, ghaloob in every regard. The worst Wahhabis come from our area. But yet the worst Mubtadi'a from the Rawafid and Mutasawwifa come from our area. Ghaloob in every regard. In Makkah al-Mukarramah at one point, I entered a room and a man who claimed to be Sayyid. Nowadays, every other Indian subcontinent person claims to be Sayyid. This is another problem that we have. But how do you determine someone is Sayyid? I would say, People, they are in charge of their lineages. But the ghaloob that is displayed. He was insulting Muawiyah I entered the room. I entered the discussion. His dalil to me was, he said, you never name your children Muawiyah. I said, yes, you, you are correct. I do not name my children Muawiyah. It's not a common custom. Some people have started this now. It's permitted, but it's not common. I said, but do you name your child Lut? He said, no. I said, Lut was a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet you choose not to name your child Lut. The discussion finished. But the point being that wherever you will have a display of ghaloob, exaggeration regarding any one given thing, you will have a counter reaction which will also be ghaloob. And this is something that has been seen in many ways. The qaid of saddu dhari'ah is so important. Saddu dhari'ah is the qaida that you place a ban on those things where you have authority. If you don't have authority, you can't stop it. But for instance, you have authority in the masjid, you have authority at a darbar, a grave, you have authority at a urs, anniversary. You must stop those things which are permissible or disputed in order that it does not lead to worse. Like Al-Imam Malik, ta'ala, he prohibited the sale of grapes. Growing grapes is permitted. But why did he pro prohibit people from growing grapes? Because he knew they were utilizing the grapes to make wine. In today's day and age, there must be saddu dhari'ah applied upon many of the bid'at that have become common within certain groups. That when you apply saddu dhari'ah, like for instance, raqs, raqs fi nafsihi is permitted, raqs. Fi nafsi it's permitted. Like tribal dance, the Prophet ﷺ permitted the Africans to do the tribal dance in the masjid. But when you see people having ghaloob and exaggeration that it leads to other things, the way you have authority, where you have authority, you stop it. Why? Because it can lead to worse things. Likewise, there is the qaida of what? Maslaha, public good. That which will benefit the public. And this is, of course, the discussion of bid'ah hasana and bid'ah sayyi'ah. I will finish there because my time has finished. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم وتوبوا لي